Hello and welcome to the Shiny Bees podcast, a podcast for those who like their knitting, comedy and yarn in equally large measures. I'm your host Joe Milmine and this is episode 49, Endless Winter. Hello everybody and welcome to the show. A warm welcome to any new and returning listeners. I hope you're all fine since last time I spoke to you. Today is Tuesday the 2nd of June and this is episode 49, nearly at a half century and it is the endless winter. Coming up for you in today's show we have a little bit of news. We've got Enablers Corner the triumphant return of the pattern pick and we'll wrap up with the sock surgery where Claire is going to be reviewing uh, Rachel Coopy's Coop Knits Socks Volume 2. So, endless winter. It is an endless winter or it certainly feels like an endless winter in northern Scotland at the moment. It's been blowing a gale for about 30 straight days. It's freezing. I've been wearing thermals and yes of course that does mean I get to wear the woolies as well but I'm getting a little bit tired of it six months of winter is too 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 long so I am hoping for a bit of a pickup in the weather soon and for it just to get warm enough that I don't have to have the heating on um and the title of this episode was somewhat inspired by um, a tweet I saw retweeted. It might have even been Caitlin Moran that did the original one. And it was talking about how she wanted to go and find Aslan because she's done with the endless winter now, essentially. Which, of course, inspired me to go and look for some Narnia-themed patterns. I absolutely love The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. It's my favourite Narnia book. I read it when I was about six. Um... And you might think it's pretty hardcore reading for someone who is about six. I must have been five, actually. I don't think I was even six. Um, and as I say, you might think it'd be quite hardcore reading for someone of that age. And yeah, essentially it is. The reason why I ended up with The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, and not indeed the book I'd gone for, was thus. It was the school book fair. It was St Catherine's Primary School sometime circa 1998 and uh, not 1998 1988 even and it was the school book fair and for those of you in the UK who are of about my vintage and possibly a little bit older will remember the school book fair and what would happen was they would turn up with these big portable bookcases that were essentially like road ruggedized so they were all metal on the outside and they kind of they came together to make a big long box on wheels but essentially when they got into the school hall they could unlock the um this bookcase and, t- and open it out like a book like a kind of a box and um inside would be an array of books and you'd get a little sort of um the week before you'd get a little leaflet of what books were going to be in the book fair and they were colour coded according to difficulty and um, I decided that I would really rather quite like a copy of The Very Hungry Caterpillar which was at that point in time £1.99 
So I went into my school book fair. I was a very bookish child, very, very bookish child. Would read a book every day. Every time, every day I brought home a school book and I would read it in its entirety the minute I got home. And the next day I would go back and demand another book. And um, I went for The Very Hungry Caterpillar and they'd sold out. So I couldn't get my book. But I only had £1.99 and I'm a very bookish child. I want my book. The only other book available to me at £1.99 was indeed The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. So that's what I bought. And there's a, a bit of a world of difference between the difficulty level in The Very Hungry Caterpillar and indeed the difficulty level in The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. However, I was going to read it and that was that. And I did. It took me a couple of months because I could only read sort of two or three pages at once before I fell asleep because I'm not very old at this point. And there's a lot of writing on a page in The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. And um, But I read it. I've still got that book now, in fact, uh, along with a couple of other notable ones from uh, from my childhood. And it's downstairs in my library. Uh, but I've always, always loved Narnia. And I want one of those lanterns outside my big Victorian house, the money pit. I'm going to have one of those lantern waist lanterns. It's been like my dream. So anyway, I decided I was going to go and look for some knitting patterns, getting back to the knitting, because that is indeed the topic of this podcast. Although at times you could be forgiven for thinking that it isn't. And um, I started looking for some patterns on a Narnia theme. And disappointingly, there weren't any funny enough to make a pattern pick out of, but I did manage to scrabble a pattern pick from a slightly related theme for you all later on. There were, however, a knitted and crocheted version of Mr. Tumnus um, available patterns for that and some absolutely magnificent mittens. They're called the Lantern Waist Mittens and they are by Kirsten Hirchendahl, probably. Hien Hadal and um, anyone with any better Finnish pronunciation feel free to wade in there and they're essentially um, stranded colour work mitts and on one side on the top side of your hands there is a mural of the trees and the lantern in the lantern waist when they go through the wardrobe and she walks um, in and there's the lantern in the middle of the clearing on one side complete with little yellow lantern and then when you turn it over and you put both of your hands together like if you had your hands together and opened them like a book there is a picture of Morgrim which he was the captain of the secret police essentially the white witch's lead henchman um, but half of his face is on one hand and half is on the other so you put your hands together and you can see this um, amazing colour work wolf on the inside um, and there's also an optional texting thumb modification available with this pattern so if you feel the need to you know do a little bit of scrolling there's a little sort of you can get your thumb out of, of the thumb and you can actually work your uh, your old smartphone there's only one of projects of this on Ravelry which shocks me because it is it is a work of art it is amazing so that is a uh, Lantern Waist Mittens, and I will put a link to that in the show notes. Um, 
but for now I think it's probably worth getting on with the actual show. So as I said we're going to kick off with news then we'll um, hit up Enablers Corner. The pattern pick will be on the subject of sun, something we don't really have much of at the moment here and then it will be the sock surgery. So grab your mittens and uh, your Turkish delight and let's crack on with the show. So as I mentioned, I'll be kicking off with some news. It does strike me that this is going to be of no relevance if you listen to this in a year's time. However, um, I'm going to pass you the details anyway. And first up on the itinerary for not the nine o'clock news is Great London Yarn Crawl. This is going to be taking place on the 5th of September 2015. And it is essentially a yarn crawl around London's uh, yarn and haberdashery shops. It's in its third year. And this year they've decided to add a marketplace to the offering. I am going to be going down for this. Or oh, that is certainly the plan at the moment. Um, to go and check out the London yarn shops. Because I've been to Loop, but I've not been to any of the others. And obviously the marketplace looks worth having a bit of a mooch around. Tickets are going to be going on sale on the 1st of July at the Yarn in the City website, which um, if you're not familiar, Yarn in the City also have a podcast. Um, it's run by Alison and Rachel, who are both equally crazy and uh, funny hosts or hostesses, if you will. And um, they, they run sort of yarny events along with doing all sorts of other yarny stuff Um in their kind of professional capacities so it promises to be a reasonably crazy and fun event and um, you can attend the crawl you can attend the marketplace separately and uh, ticket prices for the great london yarn crawl and entry to the marketplace is 18 pounds and for just the marketplace it is eight pounds now the net proceeds of um this event and always have done as far as i'm aware will go to refuge and for those of you who are not aware of what refuge is refuge is a charity that basically helps people who are suffering from uh, the effects of domestic violence they opened the world's first safe house for women and children who were escaping domestic violence in west london in 1971 and the the Great London Yarn Crawl uh, Yarn in the City team will be collecting knitted items for women and children on the day as well to give to um, the people over at Refuge to be handed out to women and children who are in need. Now, Refuge itself has grown to become um, the country's largest single provider of domestic violence related services. And um, Domestic violence is quite a pervasive sort of issue that many people have uh, have come across, or many people suffer from, um, many people survive. And having that charity there to support people in that position is, is crucial, really. And so all of the money raised from this is, um, is going to go towards that really worthwhile charity. On to the yarn. The vendor list um, is up. I will link to it in the show notes. It's on the Yarn in the City website. Um, people, I think you should go and check out on there. Um, and the this applies if you're not going to be able to make it um, to the marketplace. Do a bit of virtual shopping. Have your own little virtual yarn crawl. Why not? Um, 
All of these people are hot linked within the vendor list, which is good. First up, I would definitely go and have a look if you are interested in Scandinavian yarns um, in particular and, and the good old sheepy sheepy stuff, uh, Midwinter Yarns, which is run by Estelle. And they specialise in um, Scandinavian yarns as well as some Welsh yarns. Um, our friends at Ginger Twist Studio will be there. Our friends at Eden Cottage Yarn will be there, as well as Maggie from Textile Garden, who, who basically pedals the most amazing buttons ever. Lovely Travel Knitter Larissa is there, as is P Hop, uh, Pennies Per Hour of Pleasure. Linda from Kettle Yarn will be there, and our friends George and Louise at Yarn Garden. Other people I've seen around that I think are good are um, Yellow Burwares, who creates jewellery from uh, recycled knitting needles. Uh, yarn and Knitting, which is a yarn shop from Brighton, uh, owned by Kate, who has a really nice range of different yarns available. And the lovely Knit Sonic, it's got Knit Sonic on it. I'm hoping she'll be doing a bit of Missy Elliott dancing, but she will also be vending there um, with a quotidian colourwork, stranded colourwork source book. Possibly some tarmac. So, um, it promises to be quite an interesting kind of yarny almost like a mini festival and well it is a mini festival in the yarn crawl world into one I guess so um, I'm going to be going if you're going to be going then uh, give me a shout let me know and um, we can meet up and drink gin and you know squeeze each other's yarn on to the next uh, bit of news um, a yarn story is a yarn shop in Bath and it's just moved to a new space in Bath's Artisan Quarter on Walcott Street They've got a really interesting mix of different yarns all in one place, such as uh, Julie Asselin Habu. Um, they've got some Possum and Cashmere yarn by Zilana. Um, and they've got other sort of quite trendy names, such as Hedgehog Fibres, um, Shibui, uh, John Arben. It's owned by a lady called Carmen. And yeah, as I said, they've just moved after six months. They've not even been open that long. Moved to new premises where they're going to be having workshops, etc. So if you're in the West Country, uh, go along and check them out. Speaking of yarn emporiums, you will remember me mentioning a few episodes ago, the lovely Brit Yarn run by Isla. I'm thrilled to announce that Brit Yarn is now open for business and it would appear doing a roaring trade. Um, so get yourselves over there and check out her website and give her a little shout on social media, give her a little good luck message from the Shiny Bees podcast crew. Um, I almost had an accident with some yarn called Blackpool Illuminations, uh, but luckily for me it already sold out by the time I got there, so, <laughs> so that won't be happening for me this week at least. Um, but yeah, there's some really awesome stuff on there to go and have a look at and um, show her your support. So, we'll move on to Enablers Corner. So Enablers Corner, um, this week I'm mostly gonna be enabling you in the sock department and giving a big shout out to our very own Claire, who has just released Sock Anatomy 2. Um, Claire is the sometime co-host of the podcast and uh, does our sock surgery segment and comes up with all of the cool exciting stuff that we talk about in that. She um, has just revised her initial book Sock Anatomy which was 
Um, I reviewed it in a podcast quite some time ago and it was what prompted the um, infamous line of sod hexapoffs, which will follow me around forever now, I think. And essentially, if you're looking to start knitting socks um, from the beginning, it's an excellent place to start. And if you are a little bit more experienced, but you want to try some different heels and toes, then you're going to find them in this book as well. It comes with loads of hints and tips about needle sizing, gauge, um, what yarns to use, a lot of stuff that we've been talking about in the sock surgery. Um, she goes into that in more detail in the book. And initially it was released as um, kiddie sizes only, so little tiny socks so you could practice the techniques quickly and easily on a small sock. And Sock Anatomy 2 has been revised and extended so that you have every pattern. There's nine patterns in the book and each pattern comes in sizes all the way from baby up to Bigfoot, essentially. Um, so that everyone in the family can have beautifully socked feet. The, I think it's quite good because quite often when I knit a pair of socks, I do have a certain amount left over. And that certain amount left over is enough to knit a small pair of socks as well. So it's a good way of using up your odds and ends of your yarn instead of doing a sock blanket that's going to take you forever you're going to spend a fortune posting bits of yarn around the world not that i'm pouring scorn on what you're doing if you do like swapping bits of yarn that's absolutely fine but i'm i don't know i'm never going to get i've told you about my knitting time never going to get time to knit a bloody sock blanket it's not going to happen i'll make myself feel better doing these tiny mitered squares it's going to take me forever i'll be dead before it's finished um but little socks little socks I can do. So many people are having babies, dead easy, dead impressive present. And then you can have some equally impressive matching socks for the mother as well. Winning, and the dad as well, as well, even if you wanted, the entire family could be clothed in these lovely socks. So getting to the point, the um, book is available now for pre-order in the um, print copy and that is available at £16 plus postage and packing. In the US uh, portion packing is £5 and Australia and New Zealand postage and packing will be £6 because she's managed to secure um, printing options in both those countries to bring the postage and packing down a little bit for you all. So. £16 uh, for the print copy and you will get a complimentary ebook copy and for the ebook by itself it's uh, at a special intro offer of £10. So considering each separate pattern is £3.50 if you don't like them all, you only need to like three patterns to make it more worthwhile to buy the whole book in fairness and get all those extra hints and tips as well. Um, the, as I said the, the price of the ebook is an introductory offer at £10, the price for that will be going up um, in the near future but um yeah if you're enjoying claire's um segments and you're learning a lot and you don't have a copy of her book i highly recommend it i've got one and um i absolutely love it so that is sock anatomy 2 revised and extended heels and toes so that the whole family can have beautiful socks on to the pattern pick So the pattern pick, it's been quite a while since we last had one. I've just not stumbled upon any toilet roll covers or clothes for dogs with the right sort of theme 
to um to prompt a whole pattern pick to be honest and i don't like to force it because if it's not going to be funny then it's not worth <laughs> not worth doing and um i think cause i've been working quite hard for the last sort of six weeks or so on my own it's um i've just not been as funny as what i would normally be however i do feel that there has been a somewhat of a triumphant return to form with this uh, pattern pick for this episode on the subject of sun something which has been sadly lacking in Northern Scotland and which I hope to provoke an appearance from by doing a pattern pick. I know how much you all love these so I won't keep you. We'll go straight into the Sun Hat for Dogs by Sarah Sack. Um, again, I think a repeat offender in the old uh, pattern pick. This is a pattern for a crocheted sun hat for a dog. Naturally, being a pattern for a dog, it's only available in small dog size because everyone who makes patterns for dogs is small doggies. Nobody makes large comedy patterns for large dogs. It's always the small dogs, usually a chihuahua or a dachshund. In this case, it is the former and it is being modelled by said chihuahua who doesn't look happy about it. I don't think he's loving his white sun hat. It is a paid for pattern and it is $4.79. Next up, we have the Sun and Moon Socks by S.J. Griffin. Someone's back in the car. And this is a free pattern for a stranded colourwork sock with a Sun and Moon motif on it. It comes in sport weight yarn. Now, this could be prompting the creation of an entire new segment in the podcast that has nothing to do with knitting and everything to do with perfume. Now, everybody knows that if you're watching the TV and an advert comes on and you're sat there thinking, what, what is this advert about? What are they trying to sell me? This doesn't even make sense. I feel like I might be on some kind of psychedelic drug. And you get to the end of it and it's like, yeah, Chanel, obviously it's for perfume. So if there's ever an advert on the TV and you don't understand what the hell's going on, it's because it's a perfume advert. This is just a well-known thing. They all do it. There is no company that is worse than any other company when it comes to perfume adverts, none of them make sense. All of them involve looking moodily and weirdly into the middle distance generally and um, an awful lot of makeup. So this particular sock pattern reminded me of a perfume from my youth, which apparently is still available today and apparently the new version, because there is a vintage version, which is the one I'm talking about, and then there's a new version, which apparently isn't quite so good. And this perfume is Sun, Moon and Stars um, because it's got a very similar colour scheme on the socks. It's sort of like navy blue and gold and Sun, Moon and Stars, which is a Lagerfield, Lagerfield um, perfume, comes in a blue bottle and it's embossed with a big star on the front and it's got this gold lid and i used to go into debenhams in wigan which isn't debenhams anymore it's moved it's i think it's a Wilco's now and you'd go in and like try all the perfumes and this would be one of the ones that i would go in or you'd go into boots on a saturday and because you couldn't actually afford to buy the perfume you'd go in and test it so you'd have some perfume on when you were in town with your mates anyway i decided that it would be a wonderful opportunity to share a perfume review with you and i'm thinking of doing this every show because they are quite amazing, quite amazing. The wordsmithery that goes on in this review, frankly, I'd, I have no words for it. I have no words for it, but I, it, it just tickled me. It tickled me to bits and therefore I had to, had to share it with you. So 
sit down, make sure your pelvic floor is in order because you're going to like this one. Now this is a bona fide perfume review written by Lotus and Jasmine who has a little red balloon next to her. I'm not entirely sure what that signifies on um, on this website but they do take their um, they take the reviews very seriously. I'm thinking that maybe we need to invoke something similar for the Ravelry reviews of yarns. But this is what she had to say. Review for the Frosted Bottle EDT. I've been on a pineapple kick recently and decided to give this a shot despite the negative reviews. My immediate impression upon spraying the, that was that it was what I had been expecting from Guerlain's Insolence. Very fruity, almost acrid florals. The slight artificial gloss of freesia. It was a little uncomfortable, but intriguingly voluptuous and definitely created an impression of edgy elegance contrasted with impetuous, impetuous sensuality. It, it goes on. The fruit fades within the first hour and the freesia does as well. Yay! But what's left behind is a surprisingly spicy blend of woods. Seriously, there's got to be a missing note. This is spicy. A wonderfully buttery Narcissus Oris root accord, a touch of orchid and a warm, strong carnation note providing a touch of sharpness. From time to time I do catch something that smells like nail polish. <laughs> Faint, just a hint. It's like a practical joke is being played on the wearer. Vanillic heliotrope also wafts in and out during this phase. <laughs> Sorry, I'm finding this way too funny. Uh, the heart isn't sweet and it's more the oily version of the often powdery florals. For me, this is a sign that real ingredients were used rather than synthetics. After a couple of hours, the powdery aspects of the scent disappear. No, sorry. After a couple of hours, the powdery aspects of the scent appear and it sweetens quite a bit, resurrecting that almost voluptuously feminine accord. Think layered raw silk, cotton so thin it's almost sheer, lace chemises. I would characterise some moon and stars as workwear with a sense of humour that slides into boudoir wear as it evolves. There is something playful about this scent, and yet it evokes a certain presence, a sense of authority in the opening and heart. It's an interesting combination and one worth experiencing. The dry down is more reminiscent of an evening scent to me. I would think it, that it would layer well also. I'd suggest applying this just before leaving work to go out for drinks. By the time you made it home, the scent would be ready for bed. Kinky. SMS is built like, built like a vintage floral and doesn't follow the contemporary trends. Well, it is from 1994. I like it and understand where the poor reviews are coming from. Some Moon and Stars uses a different frame than many are used to. This is the perfect contemporary floral for a vintage lover. Sillage reduces greatly after the dry down is achieved. Shame that. In my opinion, if you like vintage florals, 40s to 60s, give this a shot. If you prefer contemporary florals, you probably will not enjoy this particular scent. It is it, it is quite hilarious. Um, I'm thinking of offering up, it up as a, as a segment. What do you think? You could send me in your favourite kind of teens perfume and I could search out the best comedy reviews from the internet and share them with you. Where do they get this stuff from? It is hilarious. I was just like, it's just a bit of perfume. It weren't even that nice, you know what I mean? So, but apparently there are two versions and the vintage one is definitely the better one. So that's Sun, Moon and Stars socks for you. Moving swiftly on, uh, we have Sun Glow Vintage Patterns Balaclava Cap in four ply wool, design number 1778 by Sun Glow, obviously brought up by Sun Glow being the printer and not by 
anything to do with the actual sun. There are a variety of hilarious sun glow vintage patterns on Ravelry and this particular one appears to be modelled by Pornstache off of Orange is the New Black. New series of that is out on 12th of June. Next up we have Fun in the Sun by Tammy Hildebrand and this is a free pattern for crocheted swimwear. There are no projects for this pattern and I can quite frankly see why. Swimwear is a loose loose description I would say for this bad boy um, and these seem to come back into fashion in the last sort of couple of years and they are only I, I, in fact I can't think of anyone that they actually suit it's not a bikini and it's not a swimsuit it's sort of like a hybrid so you have like the top of, of which seems to be completely constructed around a brass ring and it has the kind of cups of the bra point. It has a halter neck around the neck, uh, but a separate string, um, then the cups. And it has like, this weird middle panel. So it's got a panel connecting said middle of the boobs ring with the knickers. And then you have ordinary bikini bottoms, but they're attached by this one thing. So it's not a swimming costume and it's not the bikini, but I just don't see how it, how it is in any way attractive or how you would wear it if you weren't a size 10 or below or indeed age 18 and below to be honest um it's hideous it's absolutely hideous and it's in worse weight yarn there's no way that's going to provide any kind of uh, support when it's wet and worse weight yarn it's going to be hot eh so yeah it's a free pattern and no one's crocheted it and let that be let that be a kind of warning to you shall i say and um, the next one is the midnight sun slash arctic fox hat by lion brand yarn this is a free pattern for a crocheted hat in the style of one of those russian fairy hats and it is made of fun fur this thing is glorious so fun fur hat tick next one is low winter sun by anina payavarinta this is a Paid for pattern, it's six euros for a knitted sweater. It's a very tight knitted sweater with a turtleneck and long sleeves. But the shoulders in their entirety appear to be missing. Um, for some reason, it made me think of Tattoo, uh, the, the, the Russian girls that had that one song going. That all the things she said, all the things she said, running through my head, running through my head, all the things she said. Um, yeah, enjoy that earworm. So that concludes the pattern pick and the perfume pick for uh, for this week. Let me know if you enjoyed the particularly fruity and voluptuous florals of Sun, Moon and Stars as, as a teenager. And if indeed you have any other perfume classics that you'd like me to source a comedy review for off the internet, I'd be delighted. So on that, uh, we shall move on to the sock surgery. Now it would appear that I did indeed lie to you in the intro and as I've edited the entire rest of the podcast up to this point, I'm not going to go back and re-edit and move every single bit of the last half an hour. However, um, the Bigfoot Knits uh, review will be in episode 51, which is in two weeks time. And this week we're going to talk, be talking about different heel patterns. So here is Claire and I, well here are Claire and I, Back to the Future. 
Okay, so I am delighted once again to bring uh, back my illustrious co-hostess, Claire Devine, to the show. Hello, Claire. How are you? I'm very well, thanks, Joe. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. What are we chatting about today? Not a clue. <laughs> I was about to say we should try and make this one a little bit more, you know, straight, straight down the line after our last one where we went on a, a magical mystery tour of the strange goings on in, inside our brains. Right, so what we were going to talk about today was doing something different with heels. Now, I've spoken probably endlessly, probably more than some people would like, but um, about the technical aspects of heels, about adjusting a heel to fit, about making socks at last, about slip stitches and the eye of partridge or the Allen partridge for our listeners in Dundee because they've been named it up there. Um, but sometimes, uh huh. But sometimes I think it's important to also remember that knitting things is about making something beautiful. And look, we all want socks to last and we all sometimes need socks, me especially, to go inside our hiking boots. But also sometimes we want something that just looks really, really beautiful. And I wanted to do a little bit because I often see socks that have interesting heel flaps. And it's mainly heel flaps because they lend themselves quite easily in terms of a design. I was about to say a divine canvas there from the Claire Divine. A design canvas um, adding a pattern and I'm sure sort of logically thinking most people can see how it's far easier to add something to a heel flap than it is to add something to a short row heel. So some people have done it because some people out there are just like masterminds when it comes to making things. So I've had a, a good look around Ravelry. I, I know my life's so hard so everyone can feel sorry for me now that I've been searching the pages of Ravelry and I found some of my favorites and I'll put them all up on the blog as well. But I just thought I'd give a little rundown. I don't know. Have you ever knitted anything with um, a sort of different heel? Except for the afterthought heel that you didn't follow my instructions on. I know. I'm doing another one now and I will follow your instructions this time. I know. Maybe. I hope you do. <laughs> I nearly said that when you asked for the calculator. I nearly sent it with sort of a little note saying, make sure you follow the instructions, Joe." Yeah. I noticed you put my actual foot size in it and everything for me. I thought it was quite efficient. Um. Yes. I've not, no, but I've always fancied the double helix. That's my, my fantasy knit um, for what I would do if I was going to put a bit of time and effort into it. Um, that is the one that I would knit. And both of the heels on that, it, there's two uh, two colour socks, for those who are not familiar. I think you are, judging by the... Huh. I am, they're on my list. Are they? Oh, well, I'll stop talking no. about them. And I'll no, let no, you no, talk on. about them. Oh, well, well okay. So the two different colours and essentially... Um, they're kind of like a fraternal pair so whichever if your toe is one color of green on one it's the other color on the other and then they come round to the heel and then on the heel it's knit into a spiral with the two colors onto the heels um which i think is quite an interesting looking construction really but it's again it's that thing of of having the capacity to learn a new thing that sort of puts me off not that i couldn't do it just the sitting down and thinking about it so but yeah that's the one i would knit if i had the brain energy <laughs> to if do i had so. a brain if i only had a brain <laughs> isn't that the scarecrow yeah <laughs> yes. um yes yeah, so those were on my list and i really really love them because they're such a fun play on color and and they're one of those that's interesting constructions we're actually going to talk about construction in two months and Joe and I have been doing some planning. So um, those really unusually constructed socks, which I love 
But as I was saying in the last um, episode when we did Hunter Hammerson, sometimes there's a fine line between like unique and sort of out there construction and actual sort of something that's quite practical. So I love these because they're quite different. They'll be different to knit. They'll be different to sort of different to experience in terms of learning different things, but they're very wearable. And there's a lot of scope to play with color. So I'm just looking at one um, online by a curious Jenny and she's taken, it actually reminds me of the um, Bartak colorway. Mm. My Yorkshire roots are not coming out there in my pronunciation of that, but anyway. It's fine, yeah, Bartak. Okay, there you go. My Yorkshire family would be proud. And, and, and black. So it's this really sort of bright, almost garish colorway and then black. And it just sort of they the it just the contrast is brilliant and the way they sort of complement each other. Um, so yeah, so I'll link to that one because it's it's actually on the front page of the pattern as well. But it's just a really good show of what you can do, sort of alternating the way you adapt to design this pattern, which I always like to see as well. So I started off with a very simple variation. Actually, someone recently knitted me a pair of socks. Um, a, a very, very, very dear friend, Sally, um, pink hair girl. I'm pretty sure. Your listeners would have some oh, yeah, reference to who she is. Yeah, yes, I thought so. Yeah, so um, she was going to send me a skein of sock yarn for my birthday, but I think she knew that ultimately that skein of sock yarn would never turn into socks for me because I'm always really busy knitting socks to send off somewhere else. So she kindly knitted me a pair of socks, and the heel on them, I just thought it was brilliant, and I didn't realise that it's the Harmony Everyday sock heel. And it's just got a slight variation where it's got the slight sort of change down the side, which is, I think it's reverse stocking stitch. Um, so your heel flap is sort of um, framed by these two panels running down the outside, which is really, really simple. But I just liked it. It was a little bit different from someone who spends a lot of time thinking about heel flaps. I was like, oh, what's this? So if you're looking for something that's not amazingly challenging, um, but to add a little bit of difference to your, your heels, it's um, it's really good one to look at, and it's free, which is always a bonus. And then another one that uses a slightly different take on the heel is um, Rainbow Pipes and Linen Stitch, which is by, and I'm hoping Orly that you... Collas. Thank you very much. I was like, I hope You're you pronounce her name better than I can, because I know that I'm going to butcher it, and I don't like doing that, because that's just terrible. So, um, And she's a fantastic designer who's based in Aberdeen, correct? Yeah, no? just somewhere in Scotland. the west of Aberdeen, Aberdeen yeah. Shire. Aberdeen Shire, there you go. So, um, and I, these are these are great. They're grey. Maybe that's what first drew me in. And then they've got these colourful bands and this colourful linen stitch on the heel, um, which is a really different take on your sort of slip stitch or your eye of partridge heel. So those are really fun to look at. And again, another variation that's not hectically complicated because I think some of the variations can be a little bit like oh you have to really think about that mm. and I have a lot of time when I want to knit but I don't want to think yes um, <laughs> I, I think there's a lot of us that are just like yeah that's great but actually at you know half past nine at night after I've chased the toddler around made dinner and I just collapse onto the couch I don't, I don't want to think I just want to knit something um so these I think are great providing you know basic sort of construction that they'll work just fine and um, then there were some other ones that sort of have the patterning from the, the sock going down onto the, onto the heel. So the owly socks, which I remember before I knew how to knit socks, 
Um, I really wanted to make them, but I realized that if I didn't know how to make socks, they'd be quite complicated. And maybe I should revisit it now that I'm more of an accomplished knitter and able to knit socks because I think I'd be all right. And um, they've got this great little owl cable, similar to the owl cable on the owl's sweater. And that runs down the, the leg and onto the, onto the foot. So they're not going to be incredibly hard wearing heels because they've got this patterned foot, but they do look beautiful. And then there, there are some other ones. So there's um, sort of the chicane socks, which have got this very intricate cable and then these really interesting cable panels that almost seem, they like, it's if you imagine a ribbed heel and the cables are going down. So again, that's sort of, to me, in, in the middle between sort of super, super complicated, which I'll touch on later, and, and the sort of more sort of run of the mill. And then in, in terms of construction, there are the sort of really complicated ones. And there's ones here called Semki. And they're just, they've got this almost like leaf-like pattern that covers the whole sock, uh, all the leg, all the foot, and goes all the way down onto the heel. And they just look absolutely beautiful. I think they're going to be quite intricate to knit. But um, if you're looking for a challenge, they'd be really, really interesting. And then I had to have a cookie A sock in, um, of course. And... I really like that the nice thing about a, a decorative heel flap is that it allows a sort of a line, if, if you imagine sort of when you're designing something and, and you've got this sort of beautiful fluid line of something and then uh, you get to slip stitch heel and it just sort of like stops this deadline um, because often you need to do that because you need a slip because you need a practical heel. And um, these, which are the Lisa Jus, I don't know if I've pronounced that correctly, but they are knee-high socks. They are intricate. They have this wonderful sort of cabled shaping going around the calf, so it sort of hugs the calf, and then it comes down in, into, the, into the heel, and it's just this beautiful line that would be absolutely destroyed if you had a straight, boxy um, heel flap there and Cookie A being the sock design genius that she is has just allowed that graceful line to flow down the back of the heel so even if you're not going to knit them I think you should just go really go look at them because they're beautiful I don't know if I sound enough in love with them <laughs> I'm like ah, oh. I'm very in love with them um maybe I should knit myself some though I don't really wear knee-high socks just make them They're shorter not. I'll start wearing knee-high socks. But, but then you'd lose, then you'd lose the beautiful calf-hugging cables that I was um, very much in love with. And then the last bit I had was a little bit of colour and a little bit of fun. And this sort of links my. This was my double helix link. So I talked about the double helix in my mind when I was preparing this segment. And then Joe just came in at the beginning, and we talked about that at the beginning. We didn't. We so didn't then, prep me though either. It just came it's out okay. of my head. Yeah. It's okay. Exactly. Um, and that's why I like this, though, because if we prepped everything beforehand, we'd sound a little bit robotic and less crazy and off the cuff. I like to think of it as a unique selling point as opposed to a general state of disorganisation. Um, <laughs> so the love socks. But exactly. Look, I started my life out in sales. I can spin anything. <laughs> I should go work in politics. Maybe not. Let's not talk about politics right now. No. Um, <laughs> these ones are free. And they are very lovely, and they are called the Love Socks. I'm pretty sure <gasps> yes! you've seen them. Leanne and it's, um... She did, and they're just super cute, and they've got an intarsia uh, panel on, on the heel. So it'd be good practice for you. They are not going to be hard-wearing because they are just knitted in stocking stitch. 
So they're really not going to be like at the top of the hard-wearing or amazingly well-fitted list because stocking stitch doesn't hug the heel in that way. But man, they're cute. And at the end of the day, sometimes cute just has to win. Like who needs utilitarian hard-wearing socks when you can have cute hearts? Exactly. Just don't wear shoes. Exactly. Or they'd be perfect pajama socks. Mm -hmm. Pajama socks. Just sit on your chaise long with your heart socks on. Exactly. With your feet and a little silk pillow. And my bell demanding Mm -hmm. tea. Exactly. (laughs) So those ones were one of my first picks. And then there's some other interesting socks. And these are by, I recently, if you saw the blog post, um, it it would be a month ago now. So when I looked at alternatives for short row heels and I talked about the boomerang, there was uh, a lady called Susan Looney who designed the first socks that I ever knitted. So I think that that sort of, she holds a special place in my sock knitting heart. And she has some really cute ones called the double heel socks, which have a little leaf on them. And they're knitted in autumnal colors. And they're just, they're just really nice looking socks. I think if you like those sort of colors and you, you want a little bit of a pattern on your heel, they'd be great to check out. And then she's got, they're fascinating. I really want to actually, I just want to buy the pattern to find out how she's made them. I do buy a lot of patterns just to find out how things are made, just for my own random curiosity. One day when I'm retired and have more than 24 hours every hour in the day, I'm going to knit everything. They 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 look a bit like jaywalkers in terms of they've got that chevron pattern and they're very stripy, and then they've got this like really wild stripy heel. It's just brilliant. I'll make sure that we link it in the show notes. Um, but if you're looking for some really bright jazzy jazzy socks and you want to use some sort of either wildly variegated and a solid for some stripes or you've got a brilliant self-stripe you could always if you're looking for some enabling you could always pop back and listen to our episode of of enabling joe and i are very good at enabling people to buy yarn um, there's plenty of ideas in there these would be fab i think they'd look great in some knitting goddess really really fun stripey yarns or some um very colorful yarnings yeah stripes mm-hmm. if you're on the other side of the pond or if you want the yarn from the other side of the pond so yes so that's my sort of pick um and I'll put all of these and probably some more on the blog so you can see all the pictures because I'm sure my um very in love sounding descriptions of some of them especially the cookie a socks you know obviously evoke brilliant pictures of the socks in your mind but maybe you need the pictures too so I'll make sure that all of that's up awesome well thank you Claire no worries So I'm afraid that's all we've got time for this week. I hope you enjoyed this episode and clearly enjoy. <laughs> Claire and I enjoyed recording uh, this particular segment. I had a bit of a giggle uh, at the same time as well. So I hope you've enjoyed that with us and that you all um, have a great week. Happy crafting and I'll speak to you again soon. Bye. You've been listening to the Shiny Bees podcast, a podcast for those who like their knitting, comedy and yarn in equally large measures. If you'd like to get in contact with me, you can do so via the blog or I'm Shiny Bees on Ravelry, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest and Facebook. You can email me at shinybeesinfo at gmail.com. Music for this episode is provided via Music Alley and it is Adam and the Walter Boys and I Need a Drink. I need a drink.